today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Right now, though, as we speak, uh, the Prime Minister is in Etobicoke uh, with a number of key members of his cabinet uh, introducing uh, plans for the uh, government's carbon tax plan, how this is supposed to roll out and how this is supposed to benefit you and me. Uh, some still look at this as nothing more than a tax. Others say that it's something that's absolutely necessary to try to combat, uh, well, what they're classifying it now as the price on pollution. Joining us to talk about this is Steve Applin, publisher of Emission Track, which uh, monitors CO2, carbon dioxide emissions from energy use. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for the time. Great to have you with us today. Great to be back, Bill. Are you surprised uh, that we're 362 days now from federal election that the government would, would actually roll something out like as controversial as this? Not really. I, I, they have to do something, and it was either uh, do something like this or back off, and I don't see that the, the federal government has given any indication that it's going to back off of uh, a policy that I think that is, is not going to be effective, but, I, but they've got those two options, and, and, uh, and I guess they're going to roll the dice and see whether checks in the mail are going to swing voters uh, in their favor. Yeah, the, the rollout that we've seen, and I've only got some of the details now because he's still speaking, actually. This is obviously only going to impact Ontario, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. Uh, and you may say, well, that's only four of the provinces, so that means the majority. No, th- that's actually where the majority of the population in this country is. Right. So this is going to have an impact on an awful lot of people. That's correct. And, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be surprised to, or going to be interested to see how Alberta is dealt with in this because Alberta is the uh, largest emitting pro- province by far. And uh, I don't see, well, I mean, a carbon tax on, uh, of the magnitude that the feds are envisioning, and I'm hearing, you know, $20 uh, a ton of C- per ton of CO2 starting in tw- uh, 19, uh, 2019 up to $50 a ton. Uh, uh, even at the upper level, I don't see behavioral change being compelled by this thing. So, uh, and, and, you know, given, let, let's not forget, Bill, that the whole idea of doing this is to meet uh, our, our 2030 Paris Accord commitment which is to reduce something like 200 million tons out of our inventory. Uh, and A, unless it's the, uh, of huge emission reductions are, are achieved in Alberta, that's not going to ever come to pass. And B, are you going to make, are you going to compel behavioral change with a $20 a ton going up to $50 a ton carbon tax? Well, and let's be frank about this. I mean, if there's a change in government in Alberta in the next couple of months, uh, Steve, I mean, and Jason Kenney becomes the premier, yeah. uh, there's no chance that these guys are going to say, yeah, we want to fall into line. There's uh, there's absolutely no chance. Uh, well, it's the the funny thing is is that the NDP has done this. So you don't have to be the the, the meme that the that the federal liberals are are coming out with is that this is a far right alt right you know foaming at the mouth. Rachel Notley doesn't strike me as somebody in that category, and she has pulled out of the carbon tax until the Trans Mountain is is sorted out, and that's not going to be sorted out before the next federal election. So yeah. It's it, this is a sort of a wing and a prayer, and 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 again, like I don't I don't think politically it's I don't think politically it's a outlandish move. Uh, there's there's no rule that says that the voters of Ontario, having voted in Doug Ford, don't also agree with the federal Liberals about a carbon tax. There's no rule that says that. So it's it's perfectly uh, within the realm of possibility that Ontario voters re-elect the Liberals. Uh, whether it's because of the carbon tax or not is uh, is something that, that I guess we're going to find out. Uh, there, but there's nothing outlandish uh, with that scenario, so it's it's perfectly possible that it could happen. The opposition, though, Steve, and, and I'm talking about these four provinces that we just mentioned: Ontario, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. 
Uh, their their contention is that look at you shouldn't be doing this. There are technological things that we should be trying to explore now to reduce emissions, uh, not by taxing people. Yet I, I've talked to a number of environmental economists over the last number of years uh, as this debate has raged and it has raged that said you really got two options here, guys. It's cap and trade or carbon pricing. You, you, one or the other. There, there's nothing else on the table at this stage. Who's right here? The provinces are right. The environmental economists, with all respect, I, I believe are are totally wrong. They have they don't have a body of evidence to point to. The the best evidence they point to is British Columbia, and the best thing that you can say about the British Columbia carbon tax is that it slowed. It may have not did. It may have slowed the rate of increase of gasoline usage in British Columbia. Bill, we need we need quantum uh, deep quantum cuts in carbon dioxide emissions, not a s- slow in the rate of increase of fuel consumption. In, if we're going to uh, abide by what the IPCC just told us uh, uh, last week or the week before, you know, we, we've, got, we've got urgent cuts to begin now. So the premiers are absolutely right. The premiers in the anti-carbon tax provinces are absolutely right. That this is a technological thing. Now, Ontario's got the best uh, uh, case to be made against this. We have the biggest emission reduction on record in North America since uh, climate change became a public issue, and that was by decolifying our electricity system. Mm-hmm. And we didn't decolify our electricity so much as replace coal with electricity, because if we did not, or with nuclear, if we did not have the nuclear plants, we couldn't have replaced coal. So uh, this, that's the technological um, um, approach that needs to be taken, and unless that is taken in especially Saskatchewan and especially Alberta, uh, we're not going to see emission reductions, no matter what the carbon tax is. Why aren't we having that national discussion then? Uh, because the uh, I've got my own pet uh, complaints about this. Uh, I'm I'm glad you and I are talking about it, and and we're probably a minority of of of, uh, of commentators on this. Who are, Seems who are that way, yeah. Into it, but but it's it's basically the. Uh, since the beginning of the climate change debate, and you know we, we're talking 15 years now in this country, it's been dominated. The non-governmental go-to sources are dominated by ENGOs, environmental NGOs, uh, Greenpeace, uh, Friends of the Earth, Suzuki Foundation, Pemin Institute. Uh, go, go down the list, and, and they're all in this category. They're all anti-nuclear, so they've never given Ontario the due for reducing CO2 that it, uh, for reducing the CO2 that it's reduced, and when you Ca- uh, canvas them on possible approaches, this is what you get. You get cap and trade. You get insipid stuff that is proven to not work, cap and trade and renewable energy. And if you want a perfect example of how, uh, where they went whole hog on cap and trade and renewable energy, just go to Germany, where the emission, reduc- uh, emission reductions have not occurred. They're still dumping enormous amounts of CO2 into the air, as much as they were before they started this stuff. So the the debate has been channeled into those into a very very artificial set of options that don't work frankly yeah and and obviously uh, that was seeming to be the plan that ontario was trying to follow under the wind government to, to combine That's those correct. two things and uh, I, I don't know i guess the argument that i've heard anyway is well it wasn't in place long enough for actually to get some results so it's in place longer in germany and they still don't have any significant results so i That's gotta wonder uh, 2005 yeah, and the old thing about, you know, what's the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. <laughs> you think I'd do more of it, exactly. Well, that, that's that's what they're asking us to do here in Canada, and that's what the pro-carbon tax, pro-renewable energy crowd is asking Canadians to do. I wish that we would have more conversations about Germany and places like that. Uh, Germany and, and other countries that have gone whole hog on renewable energy, you know, Denmark is another perfect example. Ontario's 
orders of magnitude cleaner than they are when it comes to electricity. And we did nothing other than stop using coal because we had laid up nuclear plants that we brought back into service. Without the Bruce and Pickering plants coming back into service, we couldn't have replaced coal and we would be having the same conversation as all these other countries. Uh, but what happened to that part of the discussion, Steve? I, I, I still remember having discussions with energy ministers, and this is going back, I guess, to the NDP government of the early 90s, and, and subsequently even uh, when Jim Wilson was the energy minister under the first uh, wave of the Harris government. And, and, and okay, we're going to get rid of coal, uh, and nuclear seemed to be the option. But you mentioned that now, and people look at you like you have two heads, like you wouldn't even consider that. But it worked exactly in, Ontar- it, it worked it, in it, Ontario. That, that's right. It was not considered. This is because when... Uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess when, when somebody needs to talk to an, an environmentalist, uh, there are, there's a sort of self-styled group uh, of environmentalists. Uh, you can be pro-nuclear and be a strong environmentalist. I consider myself in that category. Unfortunately, we're in a very, very small minority. The mainstream environmental movement, is it, it, its whole reason for being was it came out of the anti-nuclear movement. It came out of the anti-bomb movement. And then when, when bombs stopped being an issue, they moved over to nuclear powers if the two are the same thing, which they're not. So uh, the, uh, the public debate has been channeled into those options by the sort of uh, by the go-to sources who, quite frankly, again, like now we've got the benefit of 15 years of experience in, in cap-and-trade places like Germany, as we've said, uh, California, and and other places where they're dumping as much CO2 into the air as, as they as they always have been, uh, and uh, I wish that people would start now looking at the evidence, start looking at the at, at OECD data that shows that tracks Germany's progress from the beginning of this energy transition that they started in around 2005, around the time that their cap and trade system came in, and see what sort of uh, uh, um, results they've gotten for all the money that they've spent. They tripled their price of electricity and their emissions flatlined, meaning they didn't move up or down. That's, that's what I call failure. And like you said, Bill, this is the definition of insanity. They're thinking, well, we just need to do more of it now. And since it didn't work in the first 15 years, you know, in, in, those, in the space of those same 15 years, Ontario took coal out of its electricity system. There's one way to do that when you don't have lots, lots of hydro, and, uh, and mainstream environmental groups need to uh, accept that. What, what soured everybody on, on nuclear? Was it Chernobyl? Well, I guess it was. I guess it was uh, uh, Chernobyl and Three Mile Island. The, yeah, the, yeah. The funny thing about this is... Yeah, they got it, kind of a one-two punch. Yeah, that's right. Well, Three Mile Island happened right after the China Syndrome uh, movie came yeah, out. Yeah, with Jack Lemmon and, and uh, Michael Douglas, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and so there's this, and there's this uh, uh, hysteria in the public uh, over this accident, which when you look in the grand scheme of things, had no environmental consequences and had no human health consequences. There were zero casualties out of Three Mile Island, yet it's a household word. Uh, it's, it's stuff like this. It, uh, people, you know, very good at public relations, very good at media relations, uh, very cynically exploited the hysteria around this, and Chernobyl you know, was, was a gift to them. And, but if you look, in the, again, in the grand scheme of things, the three humdinger nuclear events of all time, Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, Fukushima. Two of them were casualty-free. Fukushima, nobody's died from it, and and yet it gets it gets trot, trotted out as if it's some major disaster. And it, at Chernobyl, 56 people died. It's an unfortunate tragedy. It was it was a it was a terrible accident. But 56 bill in the in the in the annals of industrial accidents, that's a minor industrial accident. 
So, uh, you know, we've had worse natural gas fires. We've had worse propane uh, explosions. There was a propane explosion in Mexico City that killed 600 people around the time of Chernobyl, and nobody's ever heard of this thing. So it's, there's a bit of, there's a, bit of uh, a kind of a tilted board when it comes to public opinion on this. And well, you know why, uh, though? Part of that, Steve, is because we're getting little tidbits of information. I mean, you know, you and I referenced the report, I think it was about a month ago now, uh, that was done by this independent body that essentially said that, look, at uh, the carbon taxing is actually going to work and it's going to put more money in people's pockets. Now, I know a lot of people looked at that as a very skept- very skeptically, and I think with with good reason. But even as the prime minister is making his announcement today, uh, they're touting the fact that the average family in Ontario is going to get a check for anywhere from 370 to about 500 bucks. Uh, and that's, that's by the way, and I guess it's really just coincidence here, Steve, but that's pr- probably going to be about five or six weeks before the election. That's going to be, yeah, that's right. It's, uh, but uh, let's, let's look at this. The Ontario Liberals, uh, under the Ontario Liberals, low-income families got $300, $400 a year back in HST rebates. Uh, they don't have official party status. And these these checks were I don't uh, I, I I don't know when those checks come through the mail. There's that. There's the Fair Hydro plan where the uh, where the electricity bill was lowered by essentially borrowing money, and and they were not rewarded at the polls uh, f- through those actions. So it's not a hundred percent certain. And now that we're uh, we're we're uh, talking about the amount of money that that, that people are going to get, you know, you you are punished for using carbon on the one hand and on the other hand you're getting a rebate back so if you if you you know lead a normal life you live in the suburbs heat with natural gas and and drive a gasoline powered car uh is that check back in the mail going to get you to say well you know that i've really got to stop using carbon i don't see that as a disincentive that's just something that you know this is a political thing there's an election coming and what they want is the recipients for these checks to think well who is the government in power now and do I have them to thank for it? If I, you know, thank them for it with a vote, will they? Will these checks keep rolling in? That's the different message that we're supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be reducing CO two by twenty thirty. I don't see any CO two reductions happening in this scenario. Well, and I guess that's what I'm looking for. I mean, you know, everybody loves to get a check from the government, obviously, but you know, yeah. without even asking where the money's come from. Uh, but but I'm not seeing any discernible difference in, in in emissions over the last little while, and everybody's been trying either one of these things for a number of years now. That's that's exactly right. That that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's the nub of this issue. This whole idea is uh, making our Paris uh, uh, commitment: 200 million ton reduction from you know 700 million uh, annual tons of CO of anthropogenic CO2 from Canada's inventory. Uh, if if you're going to pay me, if you're going to make my gasoline, you know, five cents a liter more expensive, and then send me a check at the end of the year, what's that telling me about my gasoline usage? I don't see, you know, I just see a check coming at the end of the year. Gas is a little bit more expensive. Yeah, that's right. But it it fluctuates and goes up. You know, if they introduce something like made it, uh, you know, design the carbon tax so that there is a so that the price of a liter of gasoline is a dollar sixty. Let's just say. I'm not. I'm not saying, suggesting that anybody do this. But if they did this, that would hurt. That would. Uh, I remember being out in BC during the, uh, when the carbon tax came out. Gas was a dollar fifty. It's. I've never spent that much on gas, and I did think about. You know, am I going to put pedal to the metal? Then you know, my trip down the island. I don't know if I'm going to do that. So at that level, people start wondering about gas and start wondering whether, whether they should buy a big SUV. But when gas prices are fluctuating and all you're doing is you're, you're adding three or four cents to the cost of a liter of gasoline, I don't see that people put the, tie the carbon tax to that and say, oh yeah, carbon's bad and I've got to stop using it. 
Nope, uh, not yet anyway. We haven't reached that point. Steve, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the perspective on this. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Steve Applin, of course, uh, publisher of Emission Track, and uh, always a welcome guest here on the program. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.